Hello and welcome to Pitstop Conversations. This is your host and host, Dr. Vishakha Vora. So, uh, dear listener, family is such an integral unit of every human being's life. So, uh, family can comprise of husband and wife. It can comprise of husband, wife and their children. It can also comprise of, you know, parents, children and grandparents as well. And each family member brings in their own unique uh, personality, flavor, aptitudes, attitudes and behavior within the family unit. And those interactions are what makes family life, you know, uh, what it is. And uh, most of us, we turn to our family when we look for finding uh, peace, maybe uh, stability, maybe a sense of, uh, you know, uh, having a relaxation time or even just happiness. So most of us look forward to a family unit for all these things. But many a times it does so happen that uh, there are differences of opinion. There are, uh, you know, disagreements. There is disharmony within the family unit. And of course, there could also be a lot of fights. And uh, there could be also a lot of tension that keeps on escalating. And escalating to a point where it really uh, gets very difficult for the family to function together in a harmonious manner. And then they end up, you know, having such a tense atmosphere at home that they then think about ki, what can we do? Can we search for, you know, an, an external person who can help us? Is there anybody who can help us resolve all these, uh, you know, disagreements that we have? So uh, there is a person who does this as uh, as a part of her profession. Uh, so it gives me great pleasure to welcome Samindra Savan. Uh, she is a family and marriage uh, counselor and uh, therapist, basically. So, uh, so let me give you a quick uh, you know intro to who Samindra is. So she is one of the founders and uh, and a director at Disha Counseling in Mumbai. It is a very old and very well-known counseling center which offers a wide variety and wide range of you know uh, services including career services family services uh, adolescent uh, uh, therapy so many aspects are included within disha counseling uh, she is also one uh, you know one of the very few people who were chosen by uh, the indian school of business hyderabad to pursue a, a woman's entrepreneurship development program. So she has done a certification in that. She is also, uh, you know, uh, specialized into a lot of different types of healing therapies. And which, of course, I'm going to ask you more later on about. So, uh, Samindra, you have been in this, uh, you know, in this field for such a long time now. And firstly, I'm sorry, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you Thank for you. being a part of this. Thank you for being a part of this. And uh, so my my first question to you, I would like to begin with uh, just to, you know, kind of educate our listeners about like, what does exactly a family and marriage therapist do? Okay. Thank you, Vishakha, for having me here and uh, a good afternoon to all all the listeners. So family therapy, as uh, you have rightly said, when we talk about family, we are talking about different individuals coming together. These are individuals who come from different generations, different age groups, different mindsets. And 
there could be many times or rather there are many times differences lack of understanding of other people's viewpoints and perspectives that result in problems and difficulties this could be within the entire family unit or it could be within the couple which is the two partners or spouses it could be between the pa- a parent and a child a grandparent and a child so when the issues become so difficult to handle they escalate to a point where the family isn't able to resolve the conflict or the crisis that is when a family therapist or a counselor steps in to help all these members look at this situation from a holistic perspective and arrive at a resolution so that's what family therapy is all about to put it very very simply okay uh, so uh Samindra, like uh, typically in our Indian culture, we we have this uh, you know feeling of ki ghar ki baat ghar mein rakho. Yeah, you know, don't wash your dirty linen in public. So, uh, aren't people you know uh, fearful or hesitant to approach you because family ke baare mein very when you talk about your family matters to somebody who is a complete uh, stranger, that itself takes a lot of courage. So, how do how do people approach you? So 20 odd years back when I started my career yes there was a lot of hesitation there was a lot of stigma but increasingly especially in the last decade or so this the scenario has completely changed people are a lot more open to approach a therapist or a counselor to resolve issues in fact more so when it is an interpersonal or a relationship issue because it's easy to tell yourself the problem is with the other person so you know at least through that they come and see the professional when it is your own issue you never want to admit that you could have a mental health problem or a challenge that requires professional help when it comes to relationships usually the blame tends to be externalized so it's easier for them to come and approach because they think that okay somebody else is going to tell this other person that you are at fault and you need to change so yes initially there was a lot of stigma but happily that situation is changing and a people people are a lot more open to approach therapists to resolve their uh, relationship issues okay a uh, very interesting point and you pointed out very a uh, very pertinent thing that you know in any relationship issue uh, one tends to you know typically blame the other person like you are not at fault it is because of the yes. other person that this yes. entire problem has cropped up so tell me how do you really handle you know this is a very acrimonious acrimonious situation where uh, each person is full of righteous anger that i am absolutely right and this person is the uh, you know the reason for the entire thing to uh, escalate to such a point so how do you handle that when you actually have sessions with them how do you handle what do you do okay so this is handled in slightly different ways when it comes to only a couple coming in and when it is an entire family so let me just focus to begin with on how we approach this when there is a family issue usually what we have noticed is that there is one problem person in the family one family member with whom everybody has a problem and that becomes uh, the reason that the entire family seeks uh, therapy beti hai usi mein you know there is a major problem she doesn't listen to us she has blah 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 issues as a therapist what we understand is that that's just a symptom so that so called problem person in the family is the symptom of the pain or the issues that the entire family is under, uh, undergoing so of course we do hear out what all these other family members have to say about this person we also hear out what this person has to say 
and slowly start identifying the communication pattern within the family start identifying the individual relationships so what's the mom dad relationship like what's the mom child relationship like what's the dad child relationship like because there are relationships within relationships when we look at a family structure so once that picture starts becoming clear and you are able to present it slowly as a mirror to the various family members they slowly arrive at uh, a little bit of uh, understanding a little bit of clarity and essentially communicating to them that we are here to resolve the issue for the family so it's not one person against the rest of the family all of us are all of you are one team and you all want the same team uh, thing which is peace in the family that usually works to get everybody start working on themselves okay so when you when they first come to you when they are uh, you know the first meeting or the first session uh, and as you said like you know they are coming to you is there is there an expectation for you as a therapist to take sides that you know you will tell the other person that you know this is where the fault is or you are the person who is you know re- responsible for this uh, problem uh, and when you tell them like this like you know we are going to work together you are going to work together as a team how is how is the response what's the change there that is, happens there is always always the expectation that you will take sides and at times most of the times when you explain uh, to the family to all the members that the, your job is not to take sides or to show who's right and who's wrong but to get each of you to understand each other's perspective and then commonly arrive at a solution most of them will understand and follow through with it but there are situations or families where that they are so polarized that it becomes dif- very difficult just recently in fact just two weeks back uh, i spoke to a family and the mother called me separately 19 year old daughter and of course they have issues with uh, the lifestyle choices she's making the partners she's choosing uh, the extent to which her relationships are going and so forth and the mother spoke to me on the phone for about half an hour telling me all the things the daughter's doing wrong and you speak to her and you brainwash her and you tell her how all this is wrong and it's not going to help her in the future so it it has to be told to them that i'm not here to brainwash anybody neither her nor you later on at night the daughter called the daughter gave her side of the story how the parents are super conservative don't give her any space are very controlling and how i have to convince the parents that this is not done <laughs> okay right so it's in such cases it's extremely important as a therapist for you to clarify this that you are not going to take sides you're not going you're not here to change the other person's perspective you are here to give space to each person to express how they feel about a situation and see if some inroads can be made where a common understanding can be created okay uh, that's that's something really really insightful because uh, obviously what you said is absolutely right that you know we we are looking not from ta- from the perspective of taking sides but what you're looking at is helping resolve the situation and yes. make the family a more more happy relaxed kind of place that everyone wants to be within yes. right uh now uh just one more question related to this how does the equation work out when there are grandparents also involved because one uh, i can definitely assume and i guess you might uh, support me in this that you know uh they would be very reluctant to even consider this uh you know going to an external therapist to resolve the issue right so they may not be even willing to be a part of the entire process that you do 
and uh, plus uh, they have their own uh, you know uh, perception or what should be done and so on so how do you deal with that when especially when it's a two generations down that you are uh, you know actually handling the situation what happens then you're very right many times uh, the seniors in the family will still have that thought process that you know ghar ka problem hai ghar mein resolve karo why take it to an outsider have we not faced mm. problems in our lives in the past so it's it can at times be hard to break through that barrier but in such situations you focus on who's available so if if the parents and the children are coming initially you work with that unit you create some understanding some connections there and then you teach them certain communication strategies when it comes to talking to the grandparents that helps okay. break the ice to start some dialogue to start happening at times if you reach out to the grandparents and ask them to come for the sake of the grandchild or for the sake of the child they are more willing right okay. so again when you say that it's to help somebody in the family sometimes they do agree and they are willing and we've had grandparents also being part of the therapy process so it's not very unusual but yes that's a harder uh, harder target to kind of break through to okay okay so uh, samindra uh, can you just tell me now about uh, like you know because what you are saying sounds uh, so difficult to do i mean i am for, I, i am thinking and i'm sure i'm listener uh, my listener is also thinking that you know wow to handle that kind of complications would be requiring a lot of training and lot of you know uh, expertise so what kind of educational qualifications does one require and plus in addition to your basic qualifications what additional have you studied or uh, you know looked at so as to enable you to do actually a great job what you're doing so your most fundamental basic qualification to practice as a psychologist or a therapist is to have a full time uh, masters degree in one any one specialization of psychology either clinical or counseling uh, we do not really have specializations in marriage and family therapy which is available abroad in many, most of the developed countries you have a masters in marriage and family therapy or only family therapy or only couples counseling we don't have those kind of super specializations yet so what you require is a masters in either a clinical or a counseling uh, psychology with that legally you can practice and you can start taking up family cases as well but if you want to build expertise and you want to develop yourself as a family practitioner then doing some add on courses will be helpful two pro courses personally that i have found helpful uh one is getting yourself trained in any of the cognitive uh, psychology modules either cbt which is cognitive behavioral therapy or rebt which is rational emotive behavior therapy because that helps you gives you training in being able to identify faulty beliefs faulty cognitions faulty thought patterns that your client has developed over a period of time and trains you with strategies as to how you can help break through this so regardless of whether you're working with individuals or families or couples being trained in cognitive processes is going to be very very helpful so that's a more general training and coming to specifically family uh, training i have personally trained in virginia satir's uh, family training model she is one of the pioneers in uh, family therapy she is one of the uh, people who really you can say she's like the mother of family therapy so to speak and her entire therapeutic model and conceptualization of how a family is what are the needs uh, of each family member and how as a therapist you can help them evolve into a more 
मोर हार्मोनियस मोर इवॉल्व मोर मेच्योर फैमिली यूनिट इज अ ब्यूटिफुल ब्यूटिफुल प्रोसेस सो आई एम पर्सनली ट्रेन इन दैट देन देर इज ऑल्सो अ कपल्स काउंसिलिंग ट्रेनिंग प्रोग्राम कॉल्ड गॉटमेंस कपल्स काउंसिलिंग which is again a very very popular uh, internationally popular training program us based uh, but of course since the pandemic also available online so if you train yourself through that it it basically specializes in couples counseling and couples therapy so these are some of the trainings that are available that you can access to get yourself trained uh, in marriage or family therapy okay so uh, you mentioned i'm i'm happy to uh, you know hear that there are so many add on courses as well like after your basic uh, educational qualification with your masters in psychology either counseling or uh, clinical one can uh, you know further specialize into this field to by doing so many courses so yes. there are uh, you know all these courses that you mentioned they are teaching different theoretical approaches right and uh, each of them would be having a dif- distinct therapeutic method that they follow so when you are actually counseling uh, what is it that you use more of or what have you found to be more beneficial like uh, i was just looking at your bio and uh, i also saw that you have done reiki also and uh, you're also uh, you know from uh, you've also done something called as a single session therapy so uh, it's it's a you know uh, there are so many things that you have learned so when you are actually counseling or when you are doing the session with the family or with the couple uh, what is it that you use and uh, what have you found to be the best useful thing you know so i use what is called as an eclectic approach which is a mix of various uh, schools of psychology or schools of therapy uh, depending on the needs of the family and the needs of individuals within the family so if you have somebody who tends to be extremely analytical extremely logical they are much more comfortable with cognitive processes when you show them uh, how their thinking processes flawed how they are going away from logic they are more receptive to that sometimes when in an individual or a specific family member has undergone a traumatic situation because of which the family is in pain then just hearing them out being supportive just giving them a space where they can talk giving them a lot of support and empathy in itself can begin the healing process right okay. so depending on the needs of the family and the individuals within the family i so what you all your training basically just adds into your therapeutic toolkit so depending on the need of the situation you figure out what tool to use okay so uh, how long do typically sessions last in the sense uh, obviously i mean uh, since the 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 uh, fracture or the 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 problem that is there in the unit is so deep rooted and that is the reason why they have come to you in the first place and it has not evolved in one day it has you know been a part of the family for a long period of time it has festered Absolutely. for a long period of time so how long does the therapeutic process also take how long how many sessions do you require kind of so then again that also depends on what the issues and problems are sometimes it's simply a question of uh inappropriate communication that's taking place in the family or one uh, one decision that one family member has taken which has kind of shaken everybody so those get resolved in a couple of sessions uh, and in fact in many cases even a single session works right uh, but in cases of dysfunctional families where as you mentioned there have been issues which have been there for years to come and they just kind of uh, escalate or peak when a trigger happens 
right in that case it takes longer you also in such situations need to alternate between taking sessions with the whole family together as well as with individual sessions because there is some work to be done at individual levels then work to be done at the family level helping them identify the various coping strategies they are using the various communication stances that they have developed in the family and helping them resolve that also skill building giving them practice as to how they can address a conflict or an escalation that happens takes time so it can range from anywhere between about 8 sessions to 6 months of weekly sessions okay okay so as frequent as weekly and then uh, do, yes. do you give homework to the family a lot of homework absolutely a lot of homework to be done as a family homework and usually do, they, do, they, do, they do it those who are motivated those families who are motivated for change will do it and like i said usually there will be one problem person in the family so called problem person who tends to be the rebel who tends to be unwilling uncooperative so the hardest or the most challenging thing is to get this person to be on the same page as everybody else and once that happens then things start flowing more smoothly okay you were telling me about the kinds of homework that you give yeah so homework can be about communicating with each other within the family then homework can be uh, we do train them or educate them about the various coping stances that family members use so to give you an example and this is something virginia satir uh, has uh, developed she says that in every family there is usually somebody who is a blamer so who tends to always blame other people whenever something goes wrong then there is always somebody who plays the role of placating everybody so there is a placater who will be like okay let's resolve this tum shant ho jao that kind of a thing and then there is somebody who is a computer who will always only look at uh, logic and be completely disconnected from emotions and the ideal way of course of uh, resolving or communicating with each other is to be to be level level headed or to be congruent where what you think what you feel and what you say are all in sync right mm. so we teach them of all these uh, faulty stances we help them identify who's the com- uh, blamer in the family who's the placater who's the computer and then teach them how each of you can move and become more level headed so when you teach them this it, it's that can at times be an aha moment for the family because this they, they see that as a mirror hmm. Hmm. and then it's easier to bring about that change wow okay that's that's something so wonderful and uh, you know i think that also that aha moment must be then motivating the per people in absolutely. the family to even now okay we want to do this we want to absolutely. work on this absolutely okay uh, is it is it harder to work with the couples or is it harder to work with families or both are equally it's hard to generalize because it of each case is unique but i would definitely say families is more challenges because challenging because there are more people involved more people okay and everybody has a perspective and the truth is usually somewhere between all these perspectives so to stay clear headed and to be able to see the truth or as somebody has famously said i forget who the person is that there is no such thing as objective truth there are only perspectives mm. so to get all those perspectives to merge and come to a common ground is a lot more challenging than working with a couple awesome you so basically as you rightly said that you know uh, your truth and my truth are both truths Absolutely. it's Absolutely. the but the whole truth might be completely different from these individual truths so True. one has to look at that perspective as well True. okay wonderful 
Okay, uh, so uh, Samindra, you are the daughter of an illustrious father. Uh, so Jairam Hardikar, who is your father, and uh, he was a very well-known uh, Marathi theatre and actor. But unfortunately, you lost him very young. So uh, that has definitely impacted you and your life. And today's uh, world where, you know, death and divorce have become so common and they have kind of, you know, affected the family dynamics so hugely. Uh, what do you think, you know, what are the factors like drawing on your own experience? What do you think are the factors that uh, help to cope and adjust? And, uh, you know, how do these dynamics then get affected because of, you know, uh, things which are like uh, you know as as huge or as uh, life changing as death or divorce so can Correct. you shed some light on Correct. that yeah. yes sure uh, you have rightly said these are major uh, life changing events in a person's life and rightly so for me too that was a life changing event for me it changed the dynamic of the family from being family of four to just being the three of us and over a period of time, over the years and decades, though our family situations have changed since then, that unit that got formed during that crisis situation has still date remained the same. So the three of us are still a unit and the three of us, of course, we have our conflicts, we have our fights, but that unit has uh, really, really shaped all three lives, I would say. What also made a difference was, of course, since me and I have a younger sister, so she was even younger than I was, was how my mother coped and how we saw her cope. So her coping, learning from the way she has coped has also impacted and shaped how we have grown. Right? Mm -hmm. So even research has today shown that when you have adverse childhood experiences uh, and among those topping that list are death and uh, divorce in the family or parents separating, tend to have a long-term impact on shaping your coping, your personality, how you view life in general. So, of course, having experienced it myself has given me, uh, I would say, better understanding and better empathy of what such families go through. But having said that, that's not mandatory. You don't have to def personally go through that experience to be able to empathize and help uh, families in distress. Uh, moving on to what we do. So basically, that's what we try to identify when a family comes to us with this kind of uh, life event that has happened either many years in the past or freshly happened. Because increasingly families do come when there is a death in the family, the entire family does seek grief counseling, does seek support. Yeah, especially now during COVID when so many yes. families have True. lost. Yes. True. Yeah. True. So helping each of them identify what that lost family member meant to them in case of death, what the lost family member meant to them, what that bond was like and being able to carry on uh, having close to the heart that particular piece of that relationship and yet coming to terms with this new reality. If they come in time when that event is fresh, it is helpful to then not go into dysfunctional patterns. Hmm. Right? Because otherwise hmm. dysfunctional hmm. patterns can develop. Okay. Uh, yeah. But uh, Samindra, like, you know, uh, our general idea that we have is that, you know, grief takes its own course and it takes its own time. And for every individual, it is a different time period, you know, for how long they will grieve. True. or So you talked about, uh, like, you know, unhealthy patterns of behavior. So how does one identify those? Because uh, it may not be apparent, obviously, to the person who is grieving. 
and uh, it may not appear to be out of normal to somebody who is around them or it may appear as out of normal but that person may hesitate to refer to a family therapist so how does one identify and what are those unhealthy patterns of adjustment that one can look for yeah so uh, there is no time stamp on how long you grieve for a person so uh, that's a completely different story but how it reflects as unhealthy patterns is for example if if the one of the spouses has passed away so one of the parents has passed away and the remaining parent then latches on to the child to fulfill all his emotional needs then that becomes an unhealthy pattern right because you are there for the child the child is not there to fulfill your emotional needs you need to find alternative ways of getting your needs met but many times especially in indian families especially when there is death of a husband it's very hard for women uh to go out and find alternate coping strategies or alternate emotional supports not just in terms of a remarriage or finding another partner but even in terms of how the woman looks at life i mean if she's seen as enjoying life uh being a widow or despite having lost a partner that's frowned upon in society judgment. and i'm there is yeah. judgment and i'm not talking about maybe the educated uh, class where also that can happen in very underlying subtle ways but the vast majority of our population where they may be constrained because of what others may think then you draw only on the resource available to you at home which is your child so then that becomes a very unhealthy codependent and counterdependent uh, relationship pattern which impacts not just the parent but deeply impacts the child and impacts how the child will relate and form adult relationships in the future so these are some mm-hmm. ways in which the unhealthy patterns can uh, get formed okay uh, even uh, like what if if uh, one parent is alcoholic or an addict uh, that also impacts uh, the entire family dynamic very very badly yes, yes. so uh, what happens there so there are many things that result in what we call as dysfunctional families so having a an alcoholic uh, parent having a parent with mental illness has its own impact mm. if you have a schizophrenic mother or a depressed father or a bipolar um, aunt living with you at home it can mm. create havoc for the mental peace of the entire family right, right. uh poverty or unemployment which goes on for a very long time any kind of abuse that's happening in the family whether it's physical whether it's emotional whether it's verbal whether it's sexual all these are factors that create these dysfunctional family patterns and in those cases of course therapy is a lot harder and takes a lot longer and you also as a therapist need to figure out whether uh, any of the family members continue to be in any kind of harm or a dangerous situation and what role you play in that situation so for example if you find uh, any kind of sexual abuse happening in the family or physical abuse happening in the family with a child who's under 18 18 hmm. then under the pocso law you are mandated to report it to the authorities right, right. this is in itself creates a lot of um, ethical legal and moral uh, dilemmas for the psychologist or the therapist because yes it's ethically important and it's mandatory to report any kind of abuse but you are also always fearful of what will be the legal implications for you because as a professional mm. you are not protected by the law 
Right. Right. So all these are factors that in the background uh, you need to work on, and as a therapist, you need to figure out what your stand is on these things and how you are going to navigate these tricky situations. Wow. So, uh, Samindra, the way you are describing your, you know, work, uh, the way you do things, it sounds very challenging. So, I'm very curious to know what motivated you to come to this field. How did you choose this as an area where you wanted to focus on? So, you're talking about psychology as an area or family therapy as an area? Family therapy. Family therapy. Yeah. Okay. So, when I started my practice 23 years back. Um, I was only trained with a masters and I hadn't done too many of the add-on courses and I was seeing a general population so I was working with individuals I was working with children I was at times working with couples and I realized that a lot especially while working with children I realized that a lot of the children problems that the children manifested with or came up with were actually problems in the family right mm-hmm. and it's always easy True. to say my child is hyperactive my child has anger control problems my child doesn't listen so it's very easy for families to bring children for counseling because it's an accepted thing now with so many schools having counselors as well but the problems mm-hmm. are actually in the wider family similarly when you're mm-hmm. working with individuals i've worked with a lot of adults who have experienced um, childhood trauma or who have come from dysfunctional childhood home environments and how that has resulted in them having trust issues them having difficulties forming relationships finding peace being depressed so when i understood that a lot of our individual problems are actually rooted in the issues in the family that's what motivated me to find ways because i felt that we are working with an individual i'm only able to help in a limited way if i'm able right. to work with the family then maybe we allow the entire family to evolve to a better and more functional way of coping and dealing with each other you're absolutely right even in my own practice of career counseling also i have realized this that you know uh, it is not just about counseling the person but a lot of factors which are you know family related and family based are affecting the person and his or her decisions uh, which okay. and then impact his or her own life the entire life is you know uh, kind of affected by it so you're absolutely right when you say that you know and uh, that's where the importance of that family and its uh, counseling comes in absolutely great great Absolutely. okay so uh, samindra what do you think are kind of i mean you have this huge experience of 23 years working for this uh, particular in this area so what do you think are some of the you know attitudes aptitudes skills or even core personality characteristics which you feel are important to work as a family and marriage therapist what do you what would you recommend okay so the first thing i would say is empathy uh being able to uh understand each and every family members perspective the lens from which they are seeing the world and the family uh without passing any judgment whatsoever so empathy and being non-judgmental are i would say core qualities a third very very crucial fundamental quality is the ability to be objective because like i said many times when you talk to the father you feel oh he's so right you know i mean this is how it is then you talk to the child and you understand that that perspective is so opposite to what the father had to say so sometimes if you don't have clear mindedness and you don't have that clarity and logical ability you can get lost in all these stories 
right? So the clarity and the critical reasoning required to be able to pick the core issue from all the stories that are thrown at you is right. so good. Critical reasoning, empathy, and being non-judgmental. I would say are the three core uh, qualities uh, that you need to have. Personality traits, of course, patience, tolerance, um, ability to deal uh, with stress. Because, like I said, it can be stressful working as a family therapist. Uh, a little bit of emotional resilience, being able to stay calm in the face of all this negativity that can get thrown up uh, in a session. These are some of the personality traits that will help you in your work if you choose to go for family therapy. Okay. Uh, great. So you you mentioned all these wonderful qualities and aptitudes. So is it that some you know you have to be having all this before you enter the field, or you can just develop or you know uh, grow along along the journey, like you know develop some of these on your own later on? Yeah. So uh, many of the things that I mentioned are actually skills, and skills can be sharpened. Skills can be built and developed. You can learn how to be empathetic. You can learn how to be non-judgmental. Yes, of course, we are all born with personalities and we all have certain natural strengths. But a lot of the counseling skills that you require can definitely be learned. So, uh, okay. it's not that you have to be born with that. Logical thinking, critical reasoning, yes, these are more of aptitudes and more of uh, cognitive competencies. So, you will have a certain baseline that you have. You can sharpen and practice. Uh, but where other skills are concerned, they can be developed. Okay, okay. Uh, your your day sounds very intense, you know, with so many sessions and interactions that you have, and where you said that you know when you are listening to somebody vent out their uh, issues and problems, it can get quite emotionally overwhelming for you as a you know therapist as well. So how do you de-stress? How do you relax at the end of the day? What's what's your uh, mantra for that? Okay. So, of course, there are days when at the end of the day, I'm so exhausted that I don't even want to see the faces of my children. And I tell them I don't want to see anybody. <laughs> Just stay away. But on a more serious note, constant self-work. You have to, as a therapist, constantly work with yourself. So, I do uh, I do make it a point uh, to do a little bit of meditation. Aspiration is to do it every day. But to be very honest, it's not. it doesn't happen every day. But at least three, four times a week. Uh, make sure I spend some time doing uh, Vipassana, uh, doing some uh, Reiki with uh, myself. Then from time to time, uh, talking to your colleagues and peers because they are your support group. So whenever there's a difficult uh, family that you're working with, getting perspectives right. from your co-workers, uh, helping vent how you feel about that uh, with trusted co-workers, that helps. Taking occasional breaks, giving yourself those breaks, which is the hardest to do. For women in general and especially for mental health professionals. So giving themselves a break comes very, very hard to them. Uh, but sometimes you just force yourself to take a little break. Read. I spend time in uh, reading. And uh, when things get too much, I just pick up um, a romance book, which I know has a definite happy ending because sometimes you want to believe in happy endings. So these are some ways that I try to keep myself rooted and grounded. Great, great. Uh, and uh, you know, do you do you find yourself analyzing? Suppose you're watching TV or you're reading some uh, novel, and do you find you uh, yourself analyzing those relationships as well? Does work get into relaxation as well? At times. 
Sometimes yes, but not always. So TV I have stopped watching entirely because I already deal with so much, so many difficult families and so many difficult uh, situations. People going through so much in life that I don't want that to come from my entertainment as well. So I know now that if I'm watching TV, I'm only going to watch halka fulka stuff. I do a lot of serious reading, but that I can do on my own terms and I can pace it the way I want to. So for that, it's always books or reading. Uh, entertainment, I avoid watching anything that's stressful. And if you see the offerings on OTT nowadays, you only see a lot of stress and drama, which I want to stay away from. <laughs> true, very true. <laughs> okay, so uh, Samindra, what would you advise? Uh, you know, some uh, someone who is you know uh, considering a career in uh, becoming a family and marriage therapist. What would you advise? Because uh, in today's generation, you know, the first question is what kind of financial success I can expect, what kind of growth I can see myself, and uh, so for you also, I mean, uh, what I have seen in my career is that you know uh, youngsters especially don't realize that it takes. a little bit of time it takes years to kind of establish yourself but yes there is a possibility for a lot of growth so for uh, in this field specifically being a family and marriage therapist what are the kind of you know uh, growth uh, that one can expect what is the kind of financial success that one can expect reasonable financial success but it will not be instant coffee it will take time for you time and patience for you to build your own skills to begin with and then to build up your practice uh, so if you have to compare it with how how much you would make if you go into it or if you go into pharma or if you go into management it's not comparable the the, the two aren't even close right? right so yes you won't get the kind of remuneration you would expect in a corporate uh, pure corporate uh, atmosphere also if you're looking at super specializing in only family therapy then again you are restricting yourself further so my suggestion to people who are venturing into this would be any which ways your masters as of now will be either in clinical or counseling or any of the related uh, some states do have uh, specializations masters in child psychology or child development as well so you would have that spe- specialization in the initial years build up a more generic practice uh where you see different kinds of um, you know people you work with families you work with couples you work with individuals or children depending on your interest area build up stabilize your practice and then if you come to a point where you feel you want to venture only in family therapy then that is a choice you can make uh, at a later point in time so coming from a from not just a monetary stability point of view but also from the point of view of having kind variety in the work that you do so even now for example even after 23 years of experience i don't do pure family uh, therapy or pure couples therapy i still do work with adolescents a lot i still do a lot of work with adults uh, having internal issues as well because that keeps me motivated right. to wake up and approach my work on an everyday basis okay so one should one should have an eclectic mix that one can offer to yes. clients that's what you're saying yes. right okay okay awesome it's been great talking to you samindra it's been really wonderful and there are so much insights and inputs that i'm sure all the listeners have also got and uh, whomsoever is keen and interested in pursuing 
this as a career will get a lot of pointers a lot of in in depth information so do listen to it so dear uh, listener please listen share and subscribe do make sure that you also recommend it to people whom you feel that this will be useful for there are lots of things that you can take uh, uh, as key takeaways for yourself and it will go a long way in even just helping you uh, take care of your own family dynamics so this this podcast episode is also going to probably give you pointers for that as well because you might realize that yes maybe my family needs help or maybe i need help in my relationships so this is again where it is going to help you so thank you so much samindra for joining me and uh, listener before closing just to give you a peek into what's coming next so uh, we uh, kind of when we talk about you know physical healing we or mental healing we tend to focus more on uh, you know the therapeutic aspect of it but there is also a physical aspect associated with it in the sense that when you are physically healthy then you are also mentally healthy and uh, i am going to talk to a person who is working in this field as an occupational therapist and uh, so i'm just waiting for the confirmation from that guest and uh, most probably so we'll be talking to this person to know and understand that what exactly is the role of an occupational therapist within the larger field of psychology what kind of unique things that he or she does in their work and that's all that we are going to explore in our next episode so we're going to stop the today's episode right now here with a huge thanks once again to samindra for joining us today thank uh, you thank for you having so me listener. thank you thank you so much and thank you dear listener for joining us today take care and goodbye